Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First Do. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First Do's Director of Training. I am pleased to welcome Jordan Long to the podcast today. Jordan is the founder and CEO of Revital Colorado, which aims to be a lifeline for our frontline. His passion and vision for helping our first responder community comes from years of personal experience. He is a former firefighter paramedic and has service with the SWAC Adams County Fire Department and Emergency Room Trauma Units, opened his eyes to the stresses that first responders encounter daily. Jordan's passion for hard work, determination, and inspiring others started as a young athlete who would eventually become a college basketball player and achieve great success in his career. This led to a successful business as the co-founder of EYG Basketball and Rough Riders Basketball. For the past seven years, these organizations have helped thousands of young basketball players achieve their highest potential. Jordan's top priority is his wife of nearly 10 years, Kim, and his precious children, Kinsley, eight, and Jace, six. I am grateful to have Jordan Long on the podcast today. Let's get it started. Hey, Jordan Long, welcome to the Command Post podcast today. How are you? Thanks, Tom. I'm, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty darn good. Good. Uh, Thanks for having it's, me it's on. Really, oh, you're welcome. It's great to have you. And I think you're going to share um, something pretty special that you're doing in Colorado. But first, um, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and then dive into what what is Revital Colorado all about? What's it, you know? Why did you found? Why did you found it? You know, why did you you, you originate it? And um, yeah, share a little bit of that to kind of uh, start off today's podcast. Yeah, so uh, you know, my name is Jordan Long. I, I am a native here to Colorado. Uh, grew up here. Um, moved out of state for a little bit. I, I played uh, basketball in college, and sports were kind of my life growing up, which plays a little bit into this. Um, of how I got Revital going. Uh, but I jumped into the fire service in 2010. Actually, a, a firefighter was at one of my college basketball games and came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, you, you should join the fire service after college. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't really know what that means. I don't know anything about it. Um, and after, after college, uh, I started exploring it and went and took what out here at the time was, was the statewide test called the Dr. Cog and got my first... Um, volunteer job offer and volunteer academy through Southwest Adams County Fire out here. And that led in a full-time job in the fire service. Um, the department that I worked for, we did fire, we were fire-based EMS. So we did our own transports. Uh, I, I fell in love with the medical side. I actually worked uh, in the emergency room for the first two years of my fire career as well. Uh, just kind of delving in and learning the intricacies of medicine and and trying to get the full picture of, of what we do on the streets besides the the fire based stuff um and and it was it was an amazing career I, I'll say the culture that I was initially ingrained into um probably wasn't the healthiest uh we we never you know the words mental health uh were never really talked about we were out in a in a pretty I would call rough area of town and and running a lot of crazy calls, which early in your career you you love, right? That's right, right. You want to put your skills to the test, um, but there was never really a, a self awareness of what the career, how it could impact you, how it could impact your family, how it could, uh, how how do you not take this stuff home uh, to your families and to your friends and your relationships. So about four or five years into my career, I, I ended up going to paramedic school. And uh, became a medic, 
And at that time, I was also running another business on the side of firefighting, which had to do with with the game of basketball. And um, I was going from 48 hour shifts like a lot of us to work in another job for three or four of my mm-hmm. four. And right. it's taking care. I had a young family at the time, um, had some had some, you know, kid calls right out the gate of, of P school that that I never really talked about, never really discussed. At the time, we had just our department had entered into a contract with building warriors, which was um, kind of our clinical oversight. And they said, Hey, you have certain amount of clinical visits for free through the department. If you ever want to take advantage of it. Well, like most of us, I never did. I was a peer supporter um, at the department, but uh, we were pretty new into peer support and and what that really looked like and what it really meant. We were still figuring out. Uh, And so long story short with myself personally, I started just closing closing down uh, emotionally. Um, I, I wasn't really present with my family, uh, with my friends. My wife started to make comments about it, but I just denied it. I pushed it down, kept kept going, trying to make ends meet at home. Um, and eventually, it got to a point where I was just living an unhealthy lifestyle. I was not uh, doing the things that I loved: golfing, fly fishing, um, hanging out with friends. It was just work, work, work. Um, and it got to a point in my career and in my life where my wife was like, look, you're going to lose your family or you can choose one of your two career paths, uh, but you can't keep doing both. This is just getting to be too much and you've changed. Um, that was hard for me to hear, but it, it took me a, probably a couple months to really dive into what that looked like in my own life. And um, I I told my chief, I I made a decision that I got to leave the fire service. So I left in 2019. That day, he actually asked me to stay on as our peer support lead and our department chaplain, so to speak, which I was like, man, you don't know what's going on in here and up here, uh, but I'll do it. And over the course of the next six to eight months really shaped why Revital started. Um, I had coworkers, friends, people that I worked with for years, I had no clue we're going through the situations that they were going through. They were calling, asking for help. Uh, I can remember pulling a gun out of one guy's hand. I put two other buddies in, in rehab facilities, uh, walked multiple people through some, some tough divorces. And I, I, inside, I was like, what's going on? Why are we missing this? Um, and as I looked around at the resources that were available to us, which were great at the time, but they were all responsive care organizations, clinicians, psychologists, uh, rehab facilities. I felt like out here, we weren't doing anything on the front end. There was no preventative and proactive approach. So long story short, I started Revital with the mission to bring that proactive approach to our responder community, to bring the awareness that, hey, this career can affect you. It's amazing. Uh, We do some incredible things, but there's some tough things that we have to deal with you know, the sleep deprivation, um, just the call volume, the things that we see that we need to be made aware of how it affects us. And so I wanted to take a real relational and organic approach to it. And what we do is we provide 10 to 15 outings per month for firefighters, police officers, and their families, Um, fly fishing, horseback riding, ATVs, shooting guns, um, hiking, mountain biking, whatever we can do to encourage healthy outlets, healthy community with other like-minded individuals that understand what we go through. There's no forced conversation. There's no, um, 
you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, come and just share your feelings. It's more of let's, let's have fun. Let's understand the outdoors has its own therapeutic effect on us. For sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But let's engage with each other while we're here and let's have positive, upbeat conversations. And honestly, the first thing that, that happens a lot of times is people ask why I left. And that gives me a chance to be vulnerable and transparent um, and share my story. And and then 80 to 90 percent of us are in the same spots. Right. We're, we're all going through it just in our own ways. Um, mm, true. So true. That that lends itself to opening up to the resources. So one of the other things that Revital does is we are, we want to be a bridge to the professional resources. And so we've vetted a ton of different organizations out here that are doing amazing things for responders. We've created partnerships with them and we can connect individuals with financial assistance, spiritual guidance, counselors, uh, neurofeedback, different modalities of therapy, um, all types of different couples retreats, things that maybe people didn't know existed for them and their families, we can bring that awareness to it. Um, and then we run, we run about six retreats a year. The retreats are two to three days long where we can have fun in the outdoors, but then we can also come back and we can teach on communication. We can tr- teach on what stress injuries are and how to be resilient uh, and give them, you know, tangible tools to take home and to take to their, their agencies Um and then lastly, we, we do provide trainings uh, and, and different things at departments and agencies here in Colorado currently. Very good. And how long have you been doing? How long has Revital been in existence? Funny, I, uh, I started it uh, February of 2020. So right before COVID hit. And I, I, I sometimes say COVID was a blessing because it really gave me the chance to dive into to the 501c3 paperwork, to, to build a board. Um to engage with a, a certain what I call angel donor, which is the only reason why I'm even doing this full time right now, is somebody that believed in the mission, supported us heavily from the get go. Um, so we started then. We we launched in September of 2020, just with my old agency, and within four months, we had taken over 60 to 70 responders on different outings, had great feedback, and eventually uh, opened it up to everybody after the King Super shooting happened here in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Wow. So we're almost at the two year mark. Yeah, Actually, almost yeah we just hit the two no, year no, mark. You're, you're going to be coming up on the three year mark not too long from now. Yeah, absolutely. So that's fantastic. Uh, you know, obviously not disclose anything uh, private or, or sensitive as far as identifying people, but kind of can you share some of the success stories that you've had or, or even the ones that were, were challenging and also the success stories? You know, yeah. what? What, what is, how has Revital made it, made a difference and, and maybe give some very, you know, vivid examples. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll start with even just a simple one, because I think sometimes we look at the exotic trips that we take, the float trips down the Colorado river or whatever it might be. Um, I'll start with one that was really simple and really impactful for an individual um, about two months into Revital's existence. We did a, a simple pickleball outing, right? Pickleball is mm-hmm. the growing sport in the world. Um, I think we had four responders show up to, to our, one of our first pickleball deals. And one of them happened to be one of my old lieutenants. And I know he's comfortable with me sharing that because he, he is now sharing his story. And he, we played pickleball, went up to the restaurant, we grabbed some food and we just connected. And he started to share with me what was going on. Uh, he wanted to know uh, some different resources that we had for him. It was 
kind of uh, discovering what purpose in life look like. And so we have a, a spiritual partner, uh, Grace Church of Arvada. He went and uh, visited it and he texted me the next day and said that his life was forever changed and that he feels a greater sense of purpose. Um, he was probably at, at his, for his words, he was pretty cynical. He was pretty negative uh, at the time. And now he is flourishing. He's actually now leading outings for Revital and giving back to other first responders. Um, he's serving in, in different volunteering or volunteering in different organizations around um, which is making a difference in, in the community. So that's that's one example. Uh, another one is uh, a police officer that was one of my first ones taking out. Uh, he got in my truck and said, I almost canceled on this. And I, you know, what happens is we have our own mobile app that people see our events, they can sign up for our events. And a lot of times I don't know who they are. I'll, I'll vet them through our, our app process. So I know what agency they're coming from, but I've never met them. And so they, they right. it, it's a trust factor and it's a risk for them to just jump in somewhat of a stranger's vehicle. But he jumped in and he said, man, I almost canceled on you last night. And I started to ask him why. And he just said, I'm, I'm, I'm just, in, I'm in the red. I'm, I'm not doing well. Um, I've, I've been almost been killed twice on the job in the last couple of weeks. And I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. And he said, the last thing is I felt like I was being selfish taking a day for myself uh, to come out mm. and, and fish. Yeah. And I said, man, that's, that's so key because us as responders, we're always putting everybody else before ourselves. Most of the time, we're happy to go sacrifice our time or our family for a stranger that we don't even know. But I said, in reality, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, in reality for us to really take care of our family, our friends and our community, we got to first take some time for ourselves. And it's, if you have the communication with your significant other or with your, you know, your family, that this is why you're doing this. It's not selfish at all. Actually, it's, it's a selfless act to go decompress and take care of yourself. And at the end of the day, so we went out, we fly fished. He had a great time. It was his first time ever trying that. Um, he connected with another responder from a totally different agency on the trip. And after the trip, he said, this is, this is incredible. This changed my whole outlook towards my well-being um, I'm able to go home now and, and be present with my family and him and that other responder have since connected and fished together on their own, which is kind of the goal, right? Create some, some outlets that they can do that maybe they, they would have never tried before had they not had kind of a, a shortened learning curve, uh, on what the activity is. And now he is, he's flourishing, doing well, his family's doing well. And, and, um, he's still, he's still serving in, in law enforcement. Fantastic. Those are great. Those are great stories. Um, the mental health, right? This is what this is all about, right? What you're doing here is mental and sounds like some spiritual health as well, indirectly or directly with the two, the, the people that you connect with. What, um, what are you seeing uh, when people are coming to you? What, do you? what are the things that are causing, you know, the most pain? What are the things that are causing the most challenges? What, what are those? So, and, and I kind of get on a soapbox here a little bit with this, but but we view and I personally view mental health. I, I think we've put it in a box too much. too much. I think your mental health is comprised of your physical health, your spiritual health, your financial health, your family health, um, and even your 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 work environment health. 
Um, I think all of those things play into what our mental health is. And what I see so often is it's not even the calls. It's not even the workload. It's not even sometimes the sleep deprivation that's causing these responders pain. It's what's going on outside of work. And oftentimes it starts at the family, right? There's family struggles, um, partially because of our communication and our, our, our tiredness or our lack of empathy, um, that's usually one of the key things that I hear is my family struggling or I'm struggling with my spouse. Um, she just doesn't get it or he doesn't get it. Uh, and so that, that opens up the door for some, some discussions of, about communication and what that looks like. And, and I can speak from first personal, you know, experience. It was a challenge and I wish mm-hmm. I had some of these tools when I was on the job because my, I probably wouldn't be sitting in the, in the chair that I am, but I believe everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, right now, probably the biggest thing that I see, and this is a scary place that we're at, is the lack of public support that our responders feel, primarily our law enforcement officers as well. Yeah, law enforcement, um, I can imagine more so even than everybody loves a firefighter still for the most part, but I could see law enforcement being very challenged in the past yeah. few years. But when you look into the testing, even in the fire service, what used to get two to 3,000 applicants for four or five positions is only True. getting a couple hundred. And there's a reason. For that. Um, and what I hear so often is I, I just don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think I want to do something else. Um, and and my job and my role is to to encourage them that the, the community needs you as long as you're you're there. Right. As long as you in your heart still feel like you want to do this career. Let's put some of the noise aside and, and get back to why you why you started in this in the first place and see if we can't rehash some of that initial passion and love for the for the career. Um, but but yeah, what we hear often is just don't know if I want to do it or my family's pushing me out. Um, and that's that's a tough place for people to be. But those are some of the key themes. I think the other the other theme is um, I see a lot of alcohol use. Right. Um, okay. I think there's a lot of different. Go ahead. Uh, no, just self the, the self medication, basically self medication. I mean, there's only a couple ways that we cope with things and and alcohol is one of them. Um, and that, that seems to be pretty, pretty apparent in a lot of the, the community right now. And just helping them understand that that's that's probably not the best way to cope. There's other ways. Um, probably not the best. Yeah. Yeah. So. Those are some of the things that we're seeing pretty consistently. What, uh, let me think, what, what have you, have you ever had an encounter where it didn't go the way you expected where, you know, and again, it sounds like it's, it's an amazing, I mean, it really is an amazing program when you said, you know, if you had had it on your job, I was thinking the same thing. If I had had it, um, five, six years ago, I'd probably be in a lot of different circumstances than I'm currently in. So, uh, it, it's, it, it, do you ever run into where the roadblocks are, are, are beyond what Revital can do? And they've got it either one, it's, it's, you have to refer to different, different, uh, agencies, different places for help or, or what, you know, there, there definitely has been points where, uh, people will come on our outings and they'll share something that's like, wow, I'm not, I'm not equipped to handle that. I'm not equipped to help you with that. And so we can, 
that's where we can can kind of lean on on the other resource partners that we have and, and push them in that direction. So that that's definitely happened quite a few times. Um, and to, to say that it's not it's not able to be helped at the moment, I haven't seen that because I believe relationships and community are are so strong that there's somebody there that that can help. But there's definitely been challenges. I mean, I'll just say this. One of the, the biggest challenges as a nonprofit in this day and age is is funding. And so that that obstacle has probably held us back a little bit from mm-hmm. being able to serve the amount of responders that that need it or that it reach out um, because we're still a small team. Um, and so that, that would be one of the big roadblocks that I've seen. But we do refer a lot of people to clinicians to neurofeedback specialists and to okay. counselors because we're not we're not counselors we're not equipped to handle that um but right. we, do, we do try to bring clinicians and therapists onto our outings and our retreats that's fantastic uh what uh, what's the plans for the future it's <sighs> a great question um you know we've had individuals in other states actually ask us to start chapters um, in other states, which that's probably my on my five year uh, strategic plan is to, to try to get one or two more of these up and running in a different state. Um, but right now, I wanted to do the best job that we can to serve the Colorado responder community. Um, and we have some big goals on the horizon as far as collaboration. You know, I'm really big on collaborating with other people that are doing the same stuff or doing similar stuff to accomplish a greater goal. Uh, Prime example of that, uh, Code 4 Counseling. I don't know if you've heard the name Nick and Sarah Metz, um, but Code 4 Counseling and the One Goat Foundation, which is one of our partners, we ran a first responder wellness conference uh, last month. And it was our first one ever doing it, first time ever doing it. And we had an incredible showing. We had 250 responders from seven different states, uh, 25 vendors, which were all resources for responders in the room. And it, we had some pretty incredible f- feedback from that. So I think probably delving in a little bit more to educating either responders and the public is definitely something that we want to do with these conferences and, and maybe even take some of those on the road as well. How's uh? How's the family doing with all this? <laughs> um, man, that's a that's a piercing question because I, I do get um, I do get convicted that I'm I'm still in my cycle of just running, 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 and now it's just mm-hmm. something different. Um, but I would say overall, we are doing we're in such a better place uh, because partially because I am in a better place uh, and able to communicate and and pour into them. Uh, it's not all the time that I always want it to be, but it's quality time. I'll, I'll say that the time that I get with my family is much more quality than it's ever been before. That's great to hear. Great to hear. What uh, what else can you share? What else can you share about the program that I haven't asked you already that you'd like to get, get out there about Revital? You know, I think I think the big thing is people see our our organization as a non-clinical approach, which it is. Um okay which is difficult to get funding from foundations. But from from the responders point of view, I think there's still this stigma around any resource that's out there that you have to be messed up or 
you have to uh, have PTSD or you have to have something in order to go to a revital outing or in order to go to Mm. a clinician's office where our mission and our goal is that people use this no matter where they're at in their career, no matter if they have or they feel like they have uh, any sort of um, impact from the job. We want them to come and experience what this is about because we truly believe in the preventative approach uh, to what it can be. Yeah, I think that's key, right? Because you don't have to be messed up, as you said, or um, in a state of despair, um, debilitating depression and anxiety. It can be even uh, smaller components of of that affecting you, um, your day-to-day demeanor, recognizing it early. It sounds like if you can recognize it, what's going on early, you're, you're more irritable after, after work, or you're disengaged from your family. That's the time for, Hey, revival could be good, could possibly be really good for you um, before it gets to where you need to see um, and uh, receive clinical help. No, absolutely. And hopefully if they've come on one of our outings or our retreats, they have a tool that we, we we give them to either keep in their vehicle or give them an analogy of, say, your fuel gauge uh, that says, hey, before you walk in the door at home, check your fuel gauge. Where are you at emotionally? Where are you at? Right. How, how are you going to be when you walk through that door? Because my mm-hmm. wife didn't know what she was getting. She didn't know which Jordan was coming through the door, uh, depending on the day, depending on the shift. But if we can bring that awareness up, that's why it's so key to do it beforehand. Because once you hit a certain zone, if you're in that, you know, what we call red zone, it's almost too, not too late, but you need some professional guidance through that. Whereas if you can get it on the front end, um, your, your, your chances of having longevity without major troubles is a lot greater. Right. And so how, how does one reach your organization? So we, uh, one of the things that we did from early on, and this was something I had to convince my board of, um, was we spent a, a fairly significant amount of money to develop a mobile application. And okay. one, one reason for that was I said, look guys, as responders nowadays, we have most of the calls that we get while we're at the stations come through our phone, right? We, we use our phone for mapping. Yep. We use it to get information. And so what got right. the station is they're on that little device. And, and as a, as a society, that's where we're at. Right. So I said, we need to get this stuff in front of them. We need to make it easy for them. Um, we need to have resources on there. So we developed a mobile app. It's, it's in the app store. It's free. It's only for, for responders and, or their families. So they can sign up for revital Colorado, either through the Apple or um, the Google store. And there's a quick questionnaire on there that asks what department you work for, how long you've been there, how'd you hear about us. That's strictly just for a back-end vetting process because I don't want some random individual that wants to harm our responders to know where we're at at all times and and what where we might have a large gathering or something like that. So the first way they can connect is by downloading that mobile app. Um, and you'll see every, every month we, we list all of our outings on there. They can sign up for them. They know where it's at, what time it automatically sends them our, our pre-trip survey and our waiver. Um, and then there's also resources, there's podcasts. I'm going to put this first due podcast on there, uh, just for positive, (laughs) you know, the way I like to see it, and this is obviously a river behind me, but I like, I use the analogy of a, a reservoir. 
A reservoir is only as healthy as its inlets and its outlets, right? And without the proper inlets and without the proper outlets, that that reservoir grows stagnant, overgrown with algae, and eventually it's going to destroy, you know, destroy everything below it. Um, that's the same thing that happens in our lives. And so what we want to put on our, our app are those positive reinforcing tools to encourage people to listen or to read uh, the, the uplifting stuff that, that's pouring into them. So go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Finish, finish. Uh, I'll say the app is, is the primary way that responders connect with us. Uh, we okay. also have you know a website, revitalcolorado.org. We have a testimonial page on there where this has been really neat. For the most part in my, my journey, responders are not comfortable telling you when they went to see a clinician or when they went to uh, a marriage retreat or whatever it might be. But these responders are actually sending us testimonials and, and saying, yeah, put that on the site, put it with my picture and my, my name. Um, so r- other responders can see, cause we are, we are judgmental and we do, uh, we do want to, we're a little bit skeptical of new things that are out there. So we want to be able to put stuff sure. out that when responders are looking into us, they can see others that have gone before them and hear from their peers about what it's meant to them and their families. Um, so that's the other way that, that people can have, can contact us, obviously Facebook, Instagram, um, email, text, all the ways. Sounds, sounds like a, a- you got you've got the basis covered for a wonderful experience. Hey, so you so you talked about a lot of um, active firefighters, law enforcement, public safety. How about retirees? Do you yeah. do you deal deal with any of us retirees? Absolutely. I mean, that's a big one, man. That's been uh, something that from the get go I've wanted to to tackle because I've I've watched some of my friends, some of my peers, or or even uh, people that I worked for retire. And they lose the band, they lose the badge, they lose the brotherhood. Um, they, lose the identity. they lose the identity. And that's huge. You know, we that that's one of the side note. That's one of the things we teach a lot is take your take that badge off when you go home. That's not your identity, right? Your identity is who you are, who you are to the people around you. Um, where you find your identity is huge. Um, but yes, we do retiree outings. So we have two currently two retirees that lead retiree only outings. Uh, we also have, uh, at the end of this month, actually, we have a retiree and responder, current responder outing. It's a, a clay shooting out at Kiowa Creek, go out and, and, and just shoot clays, um, together. But yes, we are, we are starting to open our stuff up to retirees. Uh, one of the things that we have, one of the partners, and he, he actually walked in during this podcast, uh, there it's called the one goat foundation. And they provide financial support to responders going through difficult times. Current, former, retired, whatever it is. Um, and there's a lot of retirees that have benefited from some of that financial assistance um, from the One Goat Foundation. And that's another way that we can help support our retiree community as well, is just keeping them engaged and, and encouraging their departments to keep them engaged with luncheons or uh, you know, different things that they, a newsletter, like I, I think a newsletter would be great to send to retirees from, from other agents, from the agency they came from. So they still feel like they know what's going on. Um, what, what are you seeing from retirees? You know, I'll ask you the same question that I asked about, you know, current responders. What are the, what are the core issues that you're helping with, um, when retirees come to Revital Colorado? 
Well, from a, uh, just a strictly objective point of view, I see two things with retirees. They either have a strong community, a strong support system that they lean on when they leave the career and they thrive, they flourish, they're, they're enjoying their retirement, they're traveling, they're playing golf, whatever that might look like, they're taking care of their grandkids. And that's, we see that quite a bit. The other side of that coin is the retiree that loses its identity. And sadly, we've dealt with a couple retiree suicides in the last eight months here uh, mm-hmm. in the Denver area. And um, that's a sad statistic that um, I think the average lifespan of a responder post-retirement from certain databases, there's not any one reporting agency, but it's less than five years. Um, that's kind of a staggering statistic. So we see kind of that's that's sobering that five years that's well, we work 25, 30, 35 years in this career to only have less than five to live. That's what we want. Yeah. I've heard number, I've heard numbers like that, you know, where they've been, you know, bandied about those kind of numbers, but that's still, I mean, if that's anywhere close to that, that's stunning. Yeah. And I've heard different. I've heard seven, I've heard three you know, like I said, there's no, there's no one reporting agency to this stuff currently, but, um, you know, so there's, there's kind of the, the ones that feel like they're isolated they don't have great support systems. They feel like they've lost some of their, their friends from, from the fire or police force. Um, and that's, that's where very real, that's very real. That's, yeah. You're, you're it's the, the brotherhood's there, but then all of a sudden, and it's not, you're just, it's nothing personal or intentional. It just, it seems to just drop off. I'm speaking from experience. It just seems to just drop off and, and they're busy on the job. You're not on the job anymore. And, and it's, it's a big, big transition. I can tell you. Yeah. And I think some of it too, is as retirees, they, they don't feel like maybe they can put the same phone calls in or put the same texts into the group or the crew that they had, which I get that, but there's a level of, you know, just do it and see what comes of it and see if you can maintain that community and that friendship. Um, but when they come on, on our outings, I think they feel a sense of being refreshed and being back as a part of the group. Um, and hopefully they're meeting other retirees that are in similar spots that now they can, they can go and do things with outside of revital. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, I remember um, when I was still on the job in a, a captain fellow captain he had retired and, and they said just come by anytime you're welcome to come by the station anytime we won't come break bread with us have dinner i don't know he never came and i think it was that it was too hard for him yeah you know it was too hard for him that uh yeah we lost him recently unfortunately um oh, you know, natural causes um but that just those that are on active duty you know when those people retire if there's one thing i'd say is just when you've got things like um, revital, um, try to connect them with that and welcome them back to the station, reach out to them. Don't wait for the retirees to reach out to you, um, mm-hmm. reach out to them, pull them back into, you know, having dinner at the firehouse sometime. I mean, those are, those are, that's pretty powerful when, when you can do that, it can make a, it can make a much bigger difference than you realize. Well, I'd like to ask you as a, as a retiree, I mean, what could, I do, or we do better on the revital side. I mean, yeah, I mentioned that we have retiree outings, but they're not prevalent. You know, I need to do a better job of pouring into that, but what other things are retirees looking for? Like what could we do to, to really I think the connect, 
the connectivity, right? Just have, having that connection still somehow being able to have them connect the, the job. They've left the job. And I think if people realize, you know, you leave the job, you'll, it, it eventually goes away. And again, the worst of us that had it too, our identity too tied up into it. It's too, it's too painful, too difficult, can be devastating in different ways. Uh, to just emphasize that with your program that with the, with the actives, the, the current responders that, uh, you aren't your you aren't you're bad. You're not your job. You're more than that. And it's again, it's interesting what you say about the changing. I'm seeing and hearing it too. I mean, back in the day, you know, it was uber competitive to get into an academy, and th- you know, thousands of people applying. Now it's trick it's trickled down to where it's not as hard, not as not as competitive. Um, but I still that doesn't take away the the nobility of the profession. Absolutely. Doesn't take away, you know, the service and the identity that that comes with it. So maybe as you help help them with the current challenges, prepare them for retirement. Cause you know, for some that have challenges now, I imagine they would be at risk for having challenges upon retirement as well. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know that, but I'm, I would speculate that that would be. Probable. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I'll say one my old department is doing now, and, and I've met with their peer support lead a couple different times and, um, they're doing retiree luncheons where they have the the current retirees coming in and guys that are thinking about retiring or dropping in the next three, four or five years come and meet with them to talk about what was that transition like? You know, what challenges did you face and how'd you get through it? And kind of, you know, bridging that gap to saying, hey, here's here's how you can be proactive in your retirement process as well. Yeah, I think it's you. I wish more agencies would do that, and maybe they are, and you just don't hear about it. But you don't hear about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That that's a real positive step right there. Yeah, no question. Anything that we can do, I mean, um, educating uh, people that are getting ready to retire on on what those feelings are going to be and uh, how to how to combat that, how to stay resilient, how to stay connected. Um, Yeah, be prepared, right? Yeah, yeah. Preparation's key, I think, for for anything. That's why we train so hard in this industry. You know, and I'll, I'll get on one other of my soapboxes for mental health. You <laughs> yeah. spend 16 weeks in an academy most of the time. And you might get a day or two talking about this. You're talking about, you know, structure fires and, and burning cars and EMS. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about how to protect this how to protect our families. So one thing a few agencies here have let us do is get into their um, into their academies, either beginning or end, and share the resources that are available to them, their families. That's great. Bring the spouse in to talk about the challenges that may arrive and how communication is key. And then actually take them on an outing and say, hey, this is here for you. Whether you need it or not, just know that it's here. And I think that those steps that we can take in the academies will save a lot of responders. Yeah, that and introduce them early into their careers when they're motivated, excited. They're not; they haven't even yet come to realize what's in store for them as far as what the the joys of the job and also the the sorrows of the job and the challenges that that are going going to inevitably take place at some level. Whether yeah. it's just the time commitment that it involves, your days off doing this. Uh, all of those things that, that, you know, can make a family feel second 
when it second to the job and it's easy to do in this profession i think it's easy to do yeah well and i think a lot of leaders are 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 afraid to do it so to speak because in the past maybe they've had a bad experience or it's been this debbie downer or or negative approach to it where i don't think it needs to be that way i think you can like you said you can bring the joys of the job but you can make them aware that hey guys this is where we hear other responders have had challenges or we have personally, here's how you can overcome them and just, just be aware of, of the steps that you can take and the resources that are there. Yep. And, and introducing it in the Academy, I think is a, a wise, wise choice. Good on those, good on, good on those academies that are bringing you in. Yeah, absolutely. So as we kind of, as we kind of wrap up here, anything else you'd like to share? Any, any stories, anything else about Revital Colorado that we haven't talked about that you'd like to close with? You know, I think uh, I'm not very good at, at tooting our own horn or, or um, talking about our organization probably as much as I should. I, I'll just say this. I think it's it's spreading a little bit like a wildfire out here um, just because of the organic approach. And and any others that are listening that are, are hoping to help their responder community, what I would say is, is come at it from a judgment-free zone. Um, and, and truly try to build trust before anything else. I I think that's the key is, is trust above all else. And I think that's one of the reasons why revival is successful is because when you get in the truck or with any of our hosts, right, we have, I think now we have six or seven different hosts that are either current or former responders leading outings. When you get in their vehicle or you show up to, a uh, an outing, they're going to ask your name, where you work, what's your, do you have kids? Do you have a family? Um, because they want to know they, they genuinely care about that side of things, which I think we miss the boat on uh, at times in this, in this realm. And so I think if I was to, to throw a challenge slash talk about what revital does, it would be that it would be, um, relationships first, people first. And, um, you know, the, the mission of helping our responders is just a huge passion of mine and, and, and what we want to do, we'll continue to grow. We'll continue to adapt and, and hopefully provide everything that we can uh, to the community. Well, I wish you continued success. It sounds like a wonderful program. Um, I applaud you for taking the initiative to do this. I I know it can't be easy, um, but it sounds, it sounds extremely rewarding. And one more time, how do they uh, how do they connect with you? The app and the mobile the app and the website. Yeah, so download the mobile app, uh, Revital Colorado, uh, Apple okay. or Google. Uh, with the okay. website is revitalcolorado.org. Um, and I'll say this because I didn't throw this out there. And you being in Arizona, I'm sure you have a, a, a strong presence of responders listening out there. Our our retreats are not just for for Colorado responders. We have had responders fly in and we have helped accommodate them and pay for flights from St. Louis, Seattle, uh, New Mexico for our retreats. Um, and it's just special because you're at a ranch, you're in, you're secluded, you're in the middle of nowhere. We get to do the fun activities and then we get a breakdown and teach and, and educate and, and give tools. So responders that are in other states listening that are like man this doesn't pertain to me because like you can you can come out you can still download the app you can still access the resources and hopefully one day you know we'll have something in 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 their states 
Well, and I think too, um, even if they can't make it to the Revital Colorado, it's important for them to seek out the resources that are near to them yeah. in the event that they, they, they're not in Colorado or they're not going to come to Colorado for whatever reason, that they, they seek out resources when there's challenges, when there's the red, you know, warning signs, the red flags coming up. Don't wait till it gets, like you say, in the red before yeah. you, t- you get, you get some help. Yeah. And I think as peer support leaders or department heads, make it your job to figure out what resources are available to your people and make them really readily accessible, right? Put the the names, the emails, the contact info up in your stations, um, you know, on cork boards, whatever it might be, uh, QR codes. There's lots of easy ways to help people connect with the resources that are there. But if they don't know about them, they're, they're worthless. Right, right. So All right. Well, Jordan Long of RevitalColorado.org. Um, keep up the fine work you're doing for um, both your responders in your state and around around your state uh, or, or in other states and, uh, and and to retirees as well. It sounds like a uh, marvelous program in so, so many ways, um, a model for others to maybe start something similar in other states. Awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for having me on and um, for everything that First Dude provides and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. I look forward to reconnecting with you too, Jordan. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for being on today. Have a great day. You too.